Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Seth. How are you today? I'm so excited to be on YouTube as well. Well, I'm excited to invite YouTube. Ooh, I like this. Into our normal podcast (laughs) rhythms. Yeah, because normally there are not cameras. There are not cameras here, here. Which I don't think you're supposed to reference cameras when you're on camera. I don't. But we don't. We don't do this normally on podcast. I think last time we did this, I stared directly at one of the cameras while we were talking. That's right. We did this last time with Esther. That's right. And that was that was before you were on staff, wasn't it? It was. That was before I, you even worked at Spoken and so Gospel. I just came down for the weekend to talk about Esther. That's awesome. Um, and now I'm on staff. Yeah. We're in a brand new podcast studio. Yes. And we're celebrating 500,000 downloads. Yes. Our podcast passed half a million downloads. Uh, and so we thought, what a great opportunity to invite our YouTube audience yep. into the podcast studio uh, yep. to watch this. But hey, normal, everyday podcast listeners. For the next four y- weeks, we're in Jonah. We're in Jonah, and you guys are the superstars listening all the time. Yes. And But we asked you, you would join us in welcoming our, our YouTube guests. Yes. So thank you guys we, for being I here. I'm just imagining like a Twitch stream, <laughs> Twitch stream feed right here. It's like, everyone's thinking. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm watching too many, too Have much you? Twitch. I don't think I've ever watched Twitch. I'm glad. You're so you're so hip. My kids watch uh, like watching this. Mar- the guy plays Super Mario Maker. Oh yes. Anyway, and he makes a bunch of cool it, levels. It, he actually just plays other oh, people's. Levels. Okay. Anyway, it's it's not neither here nor there. But here is Jonah, the book of. We Jonah. are in the book of Jonah. Um, really excited. You and I have both fallen in love with this book. Yeah, uh, over the past several weeks, I was like interested on in an intellectual level because I'd always it's like it's such a hot flashpoint about yeah. is it history or not, and I just fell in love with it as literature and as a message about mercy yeah. to enemies, which right. I was just not expecting. No, uh, yeah, yeah. What I grew up thinking about Jonah was completely subverted by our study over the past several weeks. So if you were to just somebody's just watching this trying to decide if they should st- stay tuned and listen to the whole thing. What is Jonah about and and why is it so cataclysmically important for us to think about? Well, because one, Jonah is not about a fish. Wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> it's not about a fish. Um, that takes up two verses okay. in the entire book. It's not about a fish. It is about God's offensive mercy mm. to God's own enemies. Mm. And the best parallel I read... Yeah, in all the commentaries with somebody, it was like Jonah is a Jewish prophet sent to Assyria, who will one day exile them. Right. That would be like sending a Jewish prophet to Nazi Germany to preach mercy to the people who built Auschwitz. Hmm. It's unfathomable. Yeah. And Jonah invites us into what God's heart might be for people like that. Yeah, and like. Also gives us a lens into <laughs> who we might be. Who we might be. <laughs> when God calls us to do that. Yes. And like, yeah. Yeah. So Jonah is, I think most of us, the children's story version we know, yeah. God calls 
Jonah mm-hmm. to go preach in Nineveh, mm-hmm. which is the capital city of a nation called Assyria. Yeah, which we'll talk about more later. And he doesn't go. Yep. And we're all like, that's bad. That's yep. disobedience. But he gets swallowed by a fish, spit back out, and does the right thing. Right. At least in my conception, that was the point of Jonah. Don't run away from God's call. Obey God or get swallowed by a fish. <laughs> like that was that was for me what Jonah was about. Do we need to get into your childhood a little bit? We with that? always need to get into my childhood. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think I remember uh, hearing my VBS teacher or someone somehow this this is the idea that got stuck in my head was that that Jonah was afraid of the Assyrians and the Ninevites. Yeah. Uh, and like, this is called the city of blood, you know, yeah, it's yeah, this yeah. really violent nation. And it was, this is all really true. But the whole reason for the book was to show a cowardly Jonah at the mm. beginning and then a brave Jonah at the end. Yeah. And so the, the call was to trust God and not be afraid. And yeah. I don't even know where they got that I don't idea, know where they got that. But because that's, that's what I thought. The book ends with Jonah telling God that he's too merciful. Yeah, he's angry at God at he's, the end. He calls God evil. Yes. He calls God uh, uncontrollably evil. What is that? How does he say? Oh, he said gosh. exceedingly evil oh. for showing mercy to God, his own enemies. So intense. So, And that just surprised me on the face of it. And I was like, I, I don't even believe that's what Jonah's about. So Jonah is about showing how the mercy of God can look exceedingly evil. Yes. <laughs> that's so intense. And like being broken by it. Yes. Which being I think. utterly broken by it. I think yeah. that's what Jonah's about. Okay. That's amazing. So then who is Jonah? Um, Jonah is yeah. the son of Amittai. Question answered. R- moving verse, on. <laughs> verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. That's the opening verse. Okay. So one thing we know, Jonah is a prophet. This yep. is the way that prophets are introduced throughout the Bible. Yes. Now the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Amos, Habakkuk, right. whoever. Yeah. So he's a pro- one of God's prophets, mm-hmm. and he's the son of Amittai. His name means dove. Yes. Jonah means dove. Yep. Gemma means the same thing. Yes. Uh, it's we, we, our English name comes from Jonah. Oh, Jonah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's, you know, eventually it comes from there. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> in a roundabout way. Uh, so and, Jonah means dove. And Amittai means faithfulness. Oh. So you expect like, oh, Jonah. This this peaceful messenger of God who's going to bring the faithfulness of the Lord to the nations like the dove from Noah's Ark. That's totally right. <laughs> That's what we expect. That's what we expect. And God says to him, arise and go to Nineveh, mm. an evil place. We're like, okay, why? God says, it's a great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. We're like, okay, this isn't a prophet's purview. We have a faithful prophet. His name means son of the dove, the son of faithfulness. And he's going to prophesy against an evil city. That makes sense. Mm. Verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. What? (laughs) They they broke the pattern. They broke the pattern. Everything was going as according to plan in every other uh, prophetic book until that moment. Until that moment. And for a couple of different reasons. One, from like a genre's perspective. Right. So whenever you have a prophet. Yes. A prophet. A prophecy came. The word of the Lord came to the prophet of so-and-so. And then you hear the prophecy. Yes. You It'd be like, once upon a time in a land far, far away, a bunch of Mustangs were speeding down a highway right. with the police hot on their tail. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. That's not a, the right genre. Not, <laughs> not the right genre. You should hear a long, poetic yes. prophecy. It's the next thing. 
for the rest of that's what Isaiah works, that's what Amos works, that's what Habakkuk works, that's yeah. what Jeremiah works. So the fact that we get a story about the prophet mm. is already weird, weird and upside yep. down. Um, the fact that he disobeys yes. is even more interesting. Yeah. And we're totally away from the presence of God. You would think a prophet. Could probably know. Would, would want to stay there or yeah or yeah. know that you can't run from the right. presence of god <laughs> if you not, um if you not listen to the psalms yeah okay, so yeah but then another weird thing yeah. is like that if you were a jewish listener of this book you would already have kind of a context for who this jonah son of amatai, Am- amatai was yes, right you would so this is not the first time jonah shows up in the bible right he shows up in 2 Kings 14 mm-hmm. during the reign of Jeroboam II. Okay, and Jeroboam I was the guy who set up the two golden calves in Israel and basically led to the northern kingdom of Israel's downfall through idol worship yep. for the rest of their existence, which ultimately led to the Assyrians coming and destroying them. Yep. And so this is Jeroboam II yep. who continued being evil and also led to what's called the Silver Age in Israel, a lot of wealth, mm-hmm. a lot of prosperity, but at what cost? A lot of oppression, injustice. Yeah. Uh, and if you yeah. want to read about that, read the book of Amos. The book yes. of Amos is all a prophecy against Israel yeah. or Judah in the south. No, it, it's yeah, Israel, Israel and north. Yeah. Israel and north for the way that they have worshipped false gods, mm-hmm. joined themselves to, to pagan nations, and have neglected the poor. Right. And so Amos was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. Yep. We know what prophets during the time of Jeroboam II should sound like. Yes. And yet Jonah doesn't quite fit no. that bill exactly. So Jeroboam did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. So I don't know about the first Jeroboam. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeroboam II, this is verse 25, restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea. And that's mm. the same boundaries that Solomon ruled over. Back in the golden age Back in of the golden Israel. Age. Okay. In accordance mm. with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through the servant Jonah, son of Amittai. Oh, so Jonah had made a prophecy and it came true. Right. That's good, right? During the reign of the evil king. <laughs> Uh oh! Wait, hold on. Not, that not super good. Did not. Oh, so so okay. See, so he prophesied accurately, but on behalf of Israel's national interests. But it was the word of the Lord. So that okay, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. Verse twenty-six: The Lord saw how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering, and there was no one to help them. Hmm. And since the Lord had said He would not blot out of Israel from under heaven, He saved them by the hand of Jeroboam. Okay, that's also a strange thing to say. God, yeah. Israel's suffering without Jeroboam. So God uses an evil king to save Israel? Mm. The point is, the picture we get of Jonah and Jeroboam and God's actions in Israel in this point of history are not clear and even upside down from what we might expect. Mm -hmm. And so when we come to the book of Jonah and we read about a prophet that's not about his prophecies, who's disobeying God instead of obeying God, all the, the puzzle pieces start to make sense. Yeah. It was almost like there was a very specific story God wanted to tell, and in the whole suite of prophets to choose from, Jonah and the story of him and Jeroboam II <laughs> was the perfect candidate. Perfect. <laughs> a guy who we're not quite sure which line he falls down. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's who Jonah is. Okay. Is 
so is are we, when we read Jonah, are we supposed to think of him as a as a as the bad guy or as like a good guy who's faithless or like the hero, the anti-hero? Yeah, who is who is he like from a character standpoint? Well, from verse three, yeah. we just know he's not who he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a prophet of God who obeys, says, yes, here I am. Send me. And instead he goes away. And if you read that story next to the story of Jeroboam II, we're like, maybe he's also somebody who, because he refuses to pre... Well, so here... Yeah. I got confused for a second. Oh, okay. Why doesn't Jonah want to preach to Nineveh? Oh, right. Well, my so, VBS teacher told me because he was scared of them. My VBS <laughs> told me he was just disobedient. Ah. But everything else that we have understood about Israel's place and time in this moment of history, mm-hmm. why would Jonah... Like, Jonah... Is part of God's people, yep. living in a silver age, restoring God's boundaries that Solomon had, mm-hmm. and God wants him to prophesy to an enemy nation against it. Why? Why wouldn't he do that? Mm-hmm. Unless there's something that we're not getting yet. Right. So what's interesting about the book of Jonah, you're left to guess why he might disobey at this point. At this point, you're like, yeah. well, maybe he's scared. Mm. Maybe he is being just simply disobedient. Maybe right. something's going on that we don't understand. Mm. By the very end of the book of Jonah, we learn that um, Jonah doesn't want to preach to Nineveh because he knew God would be merciful to them. Mm. And he calls God's mercy towards Israel's enemies evil. Right. And all of a sudden, that makes sense of why he prophesied in Jeroboam II's favor. Mm. He was a nationalist to Israel. Uh. He didn't want anybody threatening Israel's national sovereignty. Right. He's not going to go preach mercy to the Assyrians who are breathing down their neck and probably going to overthrow them someday unless they keep on their good side. Mm. So he doesn't want to preach mercy to God's enemies because he wants Israel to remain the nation that it's become. Yeah, because if, if Assyria is as evil as we know they were, yeah. they were horrible. If you could go just look yeah. up. Assyria torture. They made stone relief carvings of all the different ways they tortured people. Oh my gosh. Well, you, don't look that up. Don't look, <laughs> that sounds I, I terrible. Did. Have you heard of Vlad the Impaler? <laughs> yes, I have actually. Was he an Assyrian? He took, he, no, he lived oh, after that, but okay. he was famous for impaling people on sticks. He got that from Assyria. Uh, the Assyrians invented crucifixion. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And this is all documented on stone relief that you could walk by as you entered the city of Nineveh. And they would like celebrate their own torture. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. So if uh, if they were as bad as those reliefs tell us they were, which they were, uh, then and you were Jonah wanting to protect Israel, then the best thing for you to do is to let Assyria's justice run its course. That you believe in a just God. Yeah. He believes that God judges. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing to, for you to do is to let God judge Assyria. Go and preach judgment. Right. And right. it's like, great, let God take care of them. And then we can continue to be sovereign Israel and everything will be fine. Um, yeah, that's intense. I mean, so that's one way to think about it. That's a really like, it's probably accurate. But, you yeah. know, there's another way to, to look at it too. Because that's like a very like nationalist mm-hmm. kind of way to view, very political kind of way yep. to view it. But also it's just like, you can think about it, like the personal hurt mm. that these Assyrians, like just like they're just, or even just like from a sympathetic standpoint, like they're just evil. Yeah. I don't want that evil to continue or like they've hurt and killed and murdered so many people like in all their conquests. Right. Like God, I just don't think, I think they should be judged. Yeah. You know, it's like even from a personal standpoint, like a more sympathetic one, it's like, yes. I just don't want to see them come to salvation. Right. Because they're so wicked. Like, yes. I think they deserve justice. And think about actually 
a biblical, two biblical categories that all Christians actually have, all believers in scripture have to wrestle with. Hmm. God is merciful. Yeah. And God is just. Yeah. And he's merciful to all who call on him. Mm. Israel, remember, was supposed to be a blessing to all the nations. Right. That was they the were supposed Abrahamic to, covenant. They were Abraham like the purpose of them as a nation was so that the nations could experience God's mercy. Mm. What happens when some of those nations start cruelly punishing them? Who, who, what, what, what wins out in that moment? Right. God's mercy towards enemies that they're supposed to be a blessing to or God's justice on the injustice of their death camps right. and savagery. Yeah. It's like, I think everybody has to wrestle with that. Not yes. just like Israel back then, right? but like, is there mercy for murderers? Right. Is there mercy for Pol Pot? Is there like, where like, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's so, a question we all have to deal, and that's the question Jonah's dealing with here. And that's exactly the question. Jonah's is like, with. what? How do we deal with having a God of mercy mm-hmm. when faced with the world's worst evil? Yes. How do those? How does the the world's greatest mercy and the world's worst evil come to a head? And think about Jonah's place in covenantal history. Mm. He's part of God's chosen people. Right. If God's supposed to prefer anybody. It would be them, right? Mm. So isn't he right not to preach mercy to them? Mm. Like if, right? Like I mean, if it's for their in, their own self interest to like yeah. for the to maintain the chosen people of God, yeah. From one from one right, point yeah, of I'm view. trying to like yeah, get, yeah, yeah. I was like, I could justify oh, being Jonah. Yes. Well, and it, and the thing is, we've not put ourselves into this book right until we've done that, because right. it's very easy to read this at the surface mm-hmm. and be like, Jonah stinks, you know, like. Yep. He was selfish and just forgive, man, you know, or like whatever. But until you take some time to sympathize with what he was going through, you've not read it right yet. Because the original audience of this book would have had no problem rooting for Jonah when he ran away from the call of God. Yes. (laughs) They would have been like, yeah, I would have done the same thing. Right. Like that's the point that you need to get to, at least from a hypothetical standpoint, is to be like, I get why Jonah would do that. And that was my prayer coming into this podcast. Yeah. I think I take advantage of God's love. Mm-hmm. I assume that he'll be loving, but I never let that become offensive to me. Right. I never let God's mercy become offensive. Mm. And so as I was praying coming into this podcast, I want to see myself in Jonah as distasteful as that might be so that I can actually be shocked by God's love for the first time. Yeah. I remember, I'm trying to remember the last time I was super offended by God's mercy and I think it was listening to, there was a, a Rend Collective song. Yeah. And uh, it's called Second Chances. And the chorus is, countless second chances we've been given at the cross. Mm. And it just sings it over and over again. And I was like, no, that can't be right. Mm-hmm. It can't be countless second chances. Like It's only two. Or, or <laughs> it, it can be a million. Yeah. But at some point, mm-hmm. you're just not bearing fruit or you're not, right? you know, and I'm just like, and I was like, it can't be that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just cried when I realized it was. And I was like, oh, countless second chances. And yeah. I was like, that's the last time I think I've been like offended yeah. by how merciful. I've been offended by God's justice. Yeah. Oh, that, that's easy for us to get offended about. I don't know if I've ever, maybe until this book, been offended by God's mercy. Yeah. And so that's what I hope for our podcast audience and yeah. our YouTube audience is it's that... Just- Come and let God's mercy offend you so that you can be dazzled by it. (laughs) So that's the book of Jonah. Okay. We're going to get into it. 
Okay, so we've gotten really far into this book so far, a whole yes. like two and a half verses or something. Yep. Um, <laughs> my favorite way to get, favorite way to get into a book. <laughs> Start and abruptly stop and <laughs> stick there. <laughs> and so, but now let's kind of let's kind of get into the story. So Jonah, um, God, God says, "Arise, go to Nineveh." And so he arises. But instead of going to Nineveh, he goes down, down. to Joppa, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, and he finds a ship going to Tarshish, and he pays a fare, goes down again to the, the ship, ship, and then goes with them away from the presence of the Lord. Yep. Um, a few significant things. Okay. One, Joppa is a, is a, was a very Gentile city. It was a port city, mm-hmm. a lot of mixed nations. So like the idea here is that, that Jonah is already getting us primed for the theme of the book. Mm. If you weren't already by Nineveh, right, 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 it's right, like, right. oh, now he's going among the Gentiles in Joppa in this mm-hmm. s- like salty port city of a bunch of miscreants. I, I like to think of it as, as Tortuga. Tortuga. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's Tortuga. And, and he finds Captain Jack Sparrow and Andy. takes it. From now on, the captain of this ship is going to be... Jack and he, he gets aboard the Black Pearl. Great. I love this already. Bound for <laughs> Okay. So that's the, that's the image in my mind. And so that, that's what he's doing. And, and another thing to point out is God tells him to arise... But he continually goes down. Now, yep. at first reading, if you were a, a, a like a, like a Hebrew reader, that would roll right 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 off your back because to go away from Israel is to go down. Because yeah. in the Jewish imagination, Jerusalem is, is, is up, up. And, yes, is at, at the, the top. Height. Yeah, uh, and so anywhere else is down. It's the highest point on earth. Top topography, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Who cares? Topography, be- yeah. Can I say that? that's what I that's what I was gonna say, but then I didn't. <laughs> so I didn't know how to land that sentence. You know where we're going. You with know that. where we're going. And, and so uh, he's going down, but you're gonna see this repeated pattern that he continues to go down and mm-hmm. down and down until he's in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the ocean at the roots of the at continents. The roots of the I continents. love that phrase. And, oh. and he's there, and the whole point is even there. What is said in verse three is never true. <laughs> He's never away Wait, from, from the, the pre- presence of the Lord, which is a little easier for us to read today. I think because okay. we're we easily go God's uh, God's everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's omnipotent. He's right? He's omniscient. He, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But and, and like I'm not saying that Israelites didn't believe that. Right. But to be the reason why Israel was up is that's where the temple was. Mm. That's where God's presence was. There was a sense that God's presence was concentrated. He was everywhere. He, he, yeah, but he's there. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. really, to go down is to go away from the presence mm. of the Lord in the temple. Right. He's literally going away from the presence of the Lord in the temple. Right. And yet, there at the bottom of the sea, mm. God is uniquely, specially present with him. Mm. So it's just like this cool theme. Yes. So anyway, anything yes. else to say about verse... It, it just made me think about what something we'll probably begin to talk about in the second podcast. But the book of Jonah isn't just about Jonah mm. and our own response to God's mercy. It's also about Israel as a whole, mm. like Judah's response to God's mercy and what will happen when Judah is eventually away from God's presence in exile. Yeah. Because yes. at some point in Israel's history, they are exiled away from Jerusalem. Away from the presence of the Lord. And what happens there? Right. Is God still with them? Will he bring them out of the belly of exile? Right. Will Like he brings Jonah out of the belly of fish? Will he? Yeah. I think well, that's a hint. Yes. But we're going to... It's a major theme, if not a, one of the biggest 
points of the book. Yeah. But, like, like Jonah is actually a stand-in for the whole nation of Israel. Absolutely right. Anyway. Yes. We'll get to And that. going down is down into exile yes yeah. absolutely right okay so but then uh, so he's he's on this ship he's with he's with mm-hmm. captain jack sparrow he's on the black pearl i mean i think you should lean into the jack i, I, I don't <laughs> think that's like an accident that he's with sailors yes like it's supposed to feel a little scandalous so he's with the pagan sailors he's with jack sparrow he went to tortuga like that's not us just being weird no that's actually part of like the Hebrew imagination yes. would have seen a Gentile port city as the place where all the prostitutes right. and Jack Sparrows hung out. Yeah, but it's also yeah. super ironic. He was told to go to the pagans, mm-hmm. and he says no, and goes to the pagans. <laughs> like, Jonah. I didn't think about that. It's so ironic. And we're going to see how ironic that is in a second, because he was he, he was afraid to go save pagans. And he's about to go accidentally save some pagans. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. It's so funny. Yes. I just had another thought. What's about that? Another time the city of Joppa is mentioned in the Bible with Peter. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Yes. So, because, oh, there's another son of Jonah in the Bible. Oh my Simon Bar Jonah. Yeah. Peter, one of Jesus' apostles. And he is sent to Joppa to preach the gospel. Yes. You know, in Joppa. In he Joppa. Has a message to preach the gospel to, to the Cornelius, ch- to Cornor- Cornelius, a Gentile. So this is when the church ends up spreading to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Peter is at a house in Joppa, classic Gentile city still, mm-hmm. and he's staying in the house of a tanner. He's, he's which a tanner was like someone who dealt in animal hide and blood and, and often unclean animals. And, and do you was, know how you tan an animal back then? Oh, you use manure. A what? Manure. Oh. You use, like, that's how you strip it of all the chemicals. Oh. To, like, yeah. And you're not supposed to do that. If Those are all things that Jews are not supposed to touch. And so he, uh, Peter is like, concerned. Should I be preaching the gospel yeah. to these Gentiles? In that same city, a son of Jonah is told to do so. He's told to go from Joppa to, to the Gentiles to mm-hmm. save them. Yes. And, like, the Jerusalem council. The church in that time was very offended by this. They're Jonah, you right, know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I hope everyone followed that. A well, we'll bit. talk about a little bit okay. more because I think that's part of the good news of this passage. My brain is yes freaking out. Anyway, synapses. Okay. Um. So yes. So that he's 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 with Captain Jack on the ocean, and then the Lord prepares or hurls a great wind upon the sea. And chucks chucks some wind at him. It's a mighty ten- yeah. There's a theme. I don't know if it's a major theme, but there's definitely yeah. a theme of God being the active narrator yes. in this story. God hurls a wind. God prepares sends a, a fish. fish. God he, prepares a, a plant. A plant. He prepares a worm, and then he prepares another wind at the end yep. of the book. Yep. Yeah. God does a lot of things yeah. in this book, and so like God's control over the elements of nature is definitely one of them. Probably to show his control over who he gives his mercy to. Yeah. He's like, I get to, I move the winds. I can also give my mercy to whomever I want. Yeah. So he throws this, this wind at the ship and everyone gets really afraid and they're crying out to all of their gods. Think think about this. The fact that the mariners are afraid. Uh Uh-huh. That's a big deal. Mm. Hardened Tortuga sailors. Oh, right. They're used to rough seas. They're used to rough seas. Are Right. They're they're like, and again, it reminds me of the story of Jesus on Mm. the boat. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like you have fishermen. Yeah. People like Jewish sailors who right. 
are ter- anyway terrified yeah. of seas, and you have somebody sleeping in the boat. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, so Jonah's sleeping in the boat. And Jonah's sleeping in the boat, and what you're going to supposed to see here mm. is a comparison between the Tortuga sailors and the supposed prophet of God. And yes. so what you expect is the Tortuga sailors to be licentious. They're going to be swearing. They're going to be yeah. like drinking their last dregs of rum because like that's who they are. They're sailors. And Eat expect, and drink for tomorrow we die. Right. And yeah. then you expect Jonah to be prophesying, begging God for mercy. Yes. We, Look, if you would only repent, sailors, God will calm the seas. And what you're supposed to see in this first um, comparison between Jonah and the pagans is how much better the pagans are than Jonah. Yes. Um, yeah, they're all like praying to their gods, trying to calm the storm. They're trying to be faithful. Yep. And Jonah is sleeping on the job. Unaware that anything wrong is happening. Right. At one point, the captain will shake him awake in verse six. Yeah. And he will use the very same words God uses to him in verse one. Arise. Jonah, arise. Call out to your God. Just as you were supposed to call out to Nineveh. To Nineveh. That's interesting. He doesn't. Nope. The crew then throws dice, hoping God will direct them towards the culprit of the storm. And Jonah says nothing until the dice falls on him. So the sailors are actively trying to figure out what's wrong. Jonah is sleeping, unaware, and then reluctant to admit any wrong. So then the, the lots, the dice finally fall on him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, well, I was running away from the God of Israel. And everyone's like, you were what? <laughs> the pagan sailors were like, you did what now? Who would uh, do such a thing? Everyone- is such a thing done in Tortuga? <laughs> 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 I love this Joppa is a, as Tortuga. Joppa as Tortuga is perfect. Um, yeah, so then he tells them to throw him into the sea if they want to live. Yeah. Now, up to this point, mm. I don't have a great picture of Jonah. Okay. The faithless prophet. Yeah. He would rather not be doing what God wants him to do. Sleeping He's on the job. Sleeping on the job, reluctantly admitting fault. I don't peg him as the guy who's willing to sacrifice himself to save everybody else for the sake of others. If he is, great. He's like Jesus. Right. I don't know what's happening here. Right. And the reason I think I don't know even more is because at the end of the book, in chapter four, Jonah will ask God to kill him mm-hmm. again. And for those of you, we haven't even said this yet, but the book of Jonah is a series of parallels. Oh, right. Chapter one and chapter four are parallel. To, mm-hmm. Or chapter one and chapter three are parallel to one another. Right. You have chapter one, we're... Noah, Jonah is compared to these pagan sailors. Chapter three, he's compared to these pagan Ninevites. Right, and then two and four are parallels, and you have his testing in the belly of the fish, and mm-hmm. then chapter four, his testing under the plant. Yep, and in chapter two, he talks to God, and it's a prayer, and in chapter four, he talks to God. But it's a complaint. <laughs> and it's a complaint, and he asks God to kill him there. So right. anyway, I'm just like yeah. setting up some of these parallels yeah. for us. But So what you're saying here is perhaps, with a capital P, perhaps, mm-hmm. that this is actually... Jonah saying, well, if I can't run from God, you know, and him wanting me to give mercy Mm -hmm. to these Assyrians, I might as well just die because then at least the plan won't come to fruition. Right. I'd rather die than see Assyria saved. Yeah. So it's not Jonah willing to die to save these pirates. Jonah's willing to die to ensure that Assyria is not saved. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I th- not not a great not a great character study here. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I don't think he's supposed to be a great guy here. Yeah. 
So then another comparison between the sailors and Jonah. Okay. Once they finally admit that throwing Jonah overboard is their only hope, they actually ask God for forgiveness first. Yeah. They say, God, please forgive us for what we're about let, to do. Let us be innocent of this man's blood. Yes. Yeah. So while Jonah's hoping Ninevite die, Nineveh dies, mm-hmm. these soldiers are hoping that their their wish for death would not come true. Like, yeah. do you see what I'm oh, totally. saying? Yeah. yeah. They have a greater regard for life than Jonah does. Yes. Yeah. And then immediately, as soon as they throw him into the ocean and the ocean calms, they offer sacrifices and make vows to God with whatever's left on, on their ship. Yes. And while the sh- sailors finally enjoy the calm seas, Jonah is swallowed by the fish and taken underwater. Man. Okay. So that's what you're supposed to see. The comparison between the faithless yes. sailors or the faithful sailors and the faithless yes. Jonah. Which like, to see like God and like, and so already God is showing mercy then to the Tortuga pirates mm-hmm. and swallowing up his prophet in the sea. Yes. I'm a little, I'm a little offended. I'm a little, you're a little offended. You're, I mean, you're supposed to be right. That's the point is to like right. be offended by God's mercy a little bit. Yeah. And what's easy to do in this point, because we don't know Jonah's motives mm. serves Jonah, right? Oh, sure. He's such yeah. a terrible guy. Yeah. He deserves <laughs> to be in the belly of the fish. Right. There's a reason why, the book of Jonah doesn't reveal to you that Jonah hates God's mercy mm. until the end. Right. Because here you're like, yeah, he deserves it. He's such a terrible person. But when you learn that the knife of the story is that God wants to have mercy on the Nazis, mm. he wants to have mercy on the Assyrians, you realize like, well, I hate those people. Mm. I wouldn't want them to be saved. Right. And then the knife turns against you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I would have done exactly what Jonah did on the board, on board with All the All that serves him right stuff I threw at Jonah is now thrown back at Th- me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay, then... I mean, I, I've got to ask because there's just so much here. Is like, I mean, how do we see Jesus in this story? Because it's everywhere. I feel like. Well, what's great about this story yeah. is that Jesus kind of does it for us. <laughs> in Mark, Luke, John, and Matthew. I don't know why I did in that weird order. Mark, Mark John, Luke. <laughs> um, Jesus brings up the sign of Jonah. Mm to the Pharisees mm-hmm. um, when they demand a sign that he is God's prophet and Messiah. Mm. And Jesus tells them that the only sign they'll receive is the sign of Jonah. Mm. So it, it's a it's a bizarre prophecy. And so like, well, what does he mean by that? Does it, and he says in Matthew that, well, just as Jonah spent three days and nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. However, there's so much more going on mm. in the context of where that's happening. Yeah. In both Mark and in Luke, it happens, that story about the sign of Jonah happens after Jesus performs the sign of feeding the 4,000 in Gentile territory. Right. The Pharisees come up to him and said, who are you to do these things? You, you can't be, you say, give us a sign to prove us who you are. Right, because he wasn't just feeding Gentiles. He was basically repeating the... Exodus narrative of feeding Israel in the wilderness. Right, but like, but so, to people who weren't supposed to be that. Yeah, exactly. Who, to the oppressors of Israel during that time, to yes. Romans. Right. He's like, who are you? What kind of prophet are you? Yeah. He's like, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Which immediately then is already an indictment because he's saying like, you know what sign you need? Someone who someone who's 
offended by grace mm-hmm. going to the Gentiles, you need the sign of Jonah. Yeah, because they are Jonah. Right. The Pharisees are they are the they are the hard-hearted prophets yeah. and leaders more interested in preserving Israel's national identity than extending mercy to Israel's Israel's like destitute, the destitute yeah. within Israel, even if right. they are Roman, even if they are Gentile, even mm. if they are unclean. They're more interested in preserving themselves right. and their pride than extending mercy to others. Yeah. So I think that's one reason. Right. Also, twice in the book of Matthew and the book of John, it also comes in the heel, like that comes right before he says the Queen of Sheba mm. even came to Solomon, who, remember, Jeroboam II is a reincarnation of because mm-hmm. he extends the borders of Solomon. But regardless, you have Jeroboam. You have Jesus saying, the Queen of Sheba, somebody not within Israel, coming to Solomon and recognizing that Solomon was God's chosen king. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and something greater than Solomon is here. So you have another Gentile coming yeah. and seeing God's person, God's right. Messiah, and giving glory to God. Mm. These Pharisees are failing to do that. So Jesus, what you're saying here, I think I follow you, yeah. is... In Jesus's application of the book of Jonah, mm-hmm. he is hitting on the same target we're trying to hit on. Yes. Which is that this is about the scandal of Gentile inclusion. Yes. Okay. Of including God's enemies. Right. Israel's enemies mm-hmm. in his plans for the world. Yes. Yeah. And and remember, the Pharisees get angry almost every time that God shows mercy to one of the cultural outsiders. The prostitutes. You eat with tax collectors and mm-hmm. sinners. Right. So you have... Jesus surrounded by penitent pagans, just like Jonah is. Mm. And then the Jonah, the Pharisees, are more devoted to denying God's call. And so they run away from God's mercy and they head towards death itself, which is oh. what Jesus tells them right. over and over again. Which in that way, they're also like Jonah. They're also like Jonah. <laughs> yeah, think, running away from God and right. toward death. So I think the way that the gospel fulfills this story for mm. us is that the Pharisees and those opposed to Jesus are Jonah, and they will experience the same consequences Jonah as yeah. well. It's also amazing that, I mean, there's a couple ways here that you see Jesus in the sacrifice of Jonah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, like, you have such a clearly repeated story in Jesus calming the storm. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, mm-hmm. you've got a storm. You've got God's chosen person mm-hmm. sleeping underneath the ship. And then on top, you've got a bunch of seasoned sailors scared out of their minds because of a storm mm-hmm. that God is clearly in control of. Yes. Uh, and they come and wake up God's sleeping chosen person in the bottom of the ship. And Jesus is like likewise kind of unconcerned, but not because he's uncompassionate or lazy, but because he knows who's in control. He knows the one who sent the storm because he is mm-hmm. the God like yeah. who sent the storm. So he goes up. And instead of having to throw himself into the storm, he shows that he is the one that the sailors worshipped. Mm-hmm. Like he's the he's the god that the yeah. sailors worshipped yeah, yeah, to yeah, calm yeah, the yeah. storm. So he calms the storm, saying, "Okay, sailors, worship me." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that the Lord, yeah. the Yahweh that is that uh, that Jonah talked about. He was running from. Mm-hmm. You know that calm that right. like that they worshipped after the storm was calmed. Watch this. Be still, mm-hmm. and the storm calms. And instead of worshiping um, a God they didn't know or couldn't see, mm-hmm. they start worshiping. They bow down yeah. on that boat in Galilee, and they worship Jesus. Jesus becomes 
the God of this story in and that, Jonah. And that makes the disciples the pagan sailors. That makes them, exactly yes. them the pagan. It shows our need to be, at least imaginatively, mm-hmm. Assyria. Yeah. We need to see ourselves as Ninevites. Yeah. And Jonah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, to whatever extent we hate our enemies, we're Jonah. Yeah. And refuse to accept, extend God's mercy, we're right. Jonah. But to whatever extent we are unfearful <laughs> of the God who controls the storms. Yeah. And outside of God's covenant of Israel, right. we're Assyria. And we and we realize our desperate need for him. Mm-hmm. And we fall down and worship him because we need him. Yeah. That's when we're the sailors. And yeah. yeah. And so that, that's really interesting. But then it's also like Jesus is the one yes. who is thrown into the water. Right. So it's not to illegi- calm the storm. Gi- illegitimate right. to see in Jonah's self-serving yes. whatever an ant or a, 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 the a opposite type. a false yeah. type an anti-type to what jesus does mm-hmm. jesus willingly yes. throws himself into the depths of the earth right to prove that god's presence is not like unable to reach the depths of the ocean mm-hmm. the roots of the continent and jesus says it explicitly just as jonah threw himself in the ocean and spent three days in the belly of the fish i will spend three days in the heart of the earth and that will be the final sign to an evil and adulterous generation, which is what he calls mm. people like Jonah and people like the Pharisees, yeah. that God will save their enemies. Yeah. Just as, as, as Jonah's time of the fish brought a revival among the Assyrians. Man. Oh. Which leads us back to Joppa. Oh, it does? Because so Jesus does what? In his death, he brings revival to the nations. Right. Jonah's death brings revival to Assyria. Jesus' death bring, will bring revival among the nations. But how's that going to work out? Acts 9, uh-huh. Peter is in the house of Simon the Tanner wondering if he can eat with a Gentile. Mm. If Gentiles are worthy of the same inclusion of mercy that he has been shown as a Jew. Right. And in the same city that Jonah tried to escape from God's call. He receives God's call to go to the nations and save and to be part of God's extension of mercy to all the nations. Right. And that's whenever he goes to the household of Cornelius and the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles the exact same way it fell on the uh, apostles Mm -hmm. in Acts 2 at Pentecost. Yeah. 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 Uh, They get a scandalous grace. Yeah. Yeah. And in Romans 5, how does God, how does Paul describe us Mm. as enemies of God? Right. Jesus' death resurrection offers forgiveness for all enemies of God, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, which Paul also goes to great lengths to prove that we're all enemies of God on some Yes, level. he does go to great lengths in Romans to prove that. <sighs> yeah, man, I'm just like, I'm trying to like feel like Jonah, you know, because I'm thinking like, th- this sounds a lot like the parable of the older and the older brother, the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this prodigal son. You guys know the story probably. He goes out. Uh, basically steals his father's inheritance, basically tells him, hey, dad, I wish you were dead, takes his inheritance, goes and squanders it on prostitutes, mm-hmm. comes back, begs to be put back into the family, and his father says, you know, what do you mean? You're my son. Come come on in. Take a ring and a robe and join up, and we're going to throw a big party for you. Yeah. And it's like, you didn't, that, he didn't deserve that. Nope. And it's a scandal that he got it. Which the older brother. And the older brother feels the scandal. Yeah. And he, it's like, he's right to, he, right? Yeah. He won't go into the party. He's like, yeah. no. He's like, I've been here working faithfully, you know, and you've never thrown me a party, Dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna have some dad issues now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, man, you've always been with me. You know, you guys know mm-hmm. the story. And it's like, that's the, that's the, 
that's what's happening here, isn't it? Like, is that it is. is that the similar the it similar is. point? There's a lot of commentators that pull up on the similarities mm. between the reluctance of the older brother, the and the reluctance of Jonah, and the reluctance of the Pharisees. Yeah, and like the story of the prodigal son. Remember, was told against the Pharisees yes. because they were the older brother refusing to grant access to God's mercy when Jesus was extending it to Gentiles and whoever mm. else. Yeah. So yes, I think that's totally legitimate to see. Yeah, I think like. I'm not, I'm not quite like, I don't want to go tell my neighbor the gospel because I don't want to see him saved. Mm-hmm. So I don't quite feel that. I, I think it's more like, uh, yeah. have you met my neighbor? Right. Like, he's like a little, a little filthy. Like, right. I've heard him say some crazy mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just don't think he's going to want it or right. it's not for him. Yeah. And I, There's, yeah. Yeah. It's not, which is still a sin. It's a different sin, I think, but it is. I think there's a sense in which that we're in the modern West separated from the sting of this mm. in some ways. I don't know that's universally true. I think there are people have, who have been hurt, oppressed, abused, um, and they don't want to extend forgiveness. I mean, I think that even the most universal example is like a lot of us don't want our fathers to be forgiven for what they did to us yeah you know like or our mothers i can't you know like i think that's probably the most universal example i would not i would hope that god didn't show mercy on my mother and i would see her in heaven i think like we could feel some of that weight people have been really really hurt by yep. their parents or or, or really any, any an abuser or something yeah. like that to want to see them right. un, like unmeritoriously saved not to like Right. Turn their life around and get their act together, and no, it's like in their dying breath. Yeah, say they believe, and yeah. get get it wiped all out. We could probably get close to if somebody somebody murdered somebody close to us. Yeah, and they had like some sort of like death row conversion. Right, we'd be like they didn't do any, and like I'm gonna see them in heaven. And they're gonna like, get the exact same inheritance as me. Yeah, yeah, like I can feel that a little bit more. Yeah, um, I think this exercise that we're doing right now is probably part of the point mm-hmm. of the book of Jonah. Like mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to be challenged to name the people we don't believe deserve God's mercy mm. to like, to name the people in our lives. We wouldn't want to be forgiven and be kind of honest about it. But because in that challenge is the good news. While we will always have someone we will refuse to show mercy to mm. Jesus never will. Yeah. And like Jonah, he'll descend into the depths. If it means God's enemies can receive mercy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm also feeling challenged, like that. I just don't see myself like Nineveh or the sailors. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm Amos back in Israel, obeying God's word. Right, <laughs> right. It's like, no, I was scared and alone and worshiping the wrong gods, mm-hmm. and Jesus threw himself into the sea to save me. And because of that radical act of sacrifice and the storms of my life calming down around me, I just fell to my knees and worshiped God. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so I'm just trying to reflect on that too. That like, I'm I'm Nineveh, yes, you know, and I'm this I'm the Tortuga sailors, and uh, these are yeah. all. I think this is what the book. This is why I love the Book of Jonah. Mm. It's because it invites a type of reflection that I'm not used to from Scripture. I don't think I've been challenged in this way by a scriptural text in a long time. Like mm. when I'm reading Second Peter, it's like. Don't do this. Oh, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Okay, yeah, I should okay. do that. Yeah. But this is like using like all my assumed notions about society and who's deserving and who's unworthy and like the my self-justifying sense of who who's in and who's out and who's a cultural other that I can't accept. I'm like, man, that 
feels it cuts deeper than I want to allow it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what to do with it all the time. Yeah. I think the last thing I'm thinking of in this chapter is uh, just the, the 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 difference between Jonah and Jesus and why they were thrown into the the ocean. You know, you have Jonah. The lots fell on him. It was his fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was his fault, and so he even reluctantly was thrown overboard, um, and the the seas calmed and mm-hmm. the people were saved. Jesus, it was the sailors' fault. You know, mm-hmm. like it it wasn't his right. fault that the seas were that were roaring and the lot falls on us, mm-hmm. and yet he says, "I will go." and calm the storm by throwing myself into the belly of the grave. And then we get unmeritorious salvation. Like we did not earn that moment. Yeah. You know, it's a little different than Jonah because in Jonah, the problem left. Right. You know, in our story, the problem stays. We're the problem Mm -hmm. and the solution left, you know, Mm -hmm. like the solution gets thrown overboard and yet that's what saves us. It's like no wonder our response would be just to drop down on the deck of the ship and worship because mm-hmm. like, we did nothing to deserve that. It should have been me. Mm-hmm. The lot fell to me. And it should yeah. have been me. I should have been thrown overboard. But instead, Jesus was for me. Uh, and it's like that is a scandalous grace. Like yeah. it's not it, – that should offend you. Like yeah. Jesus dying for you and then you getting off scot-free, mm-hmm. that's offensive. That yeah. should be very offensive. And it's hard for us to imagine ourselves – as evil as the Assyrians, mm-hmm. and which is why it's it's easy to take that for granted. Right. But I think that you're I think you're right to start to like we need to assume much less of ourselves and assume that we're much more like people like the Assyrians in need of grace, and that it's actually offensive to receive mercy. There's somebody out there like Jonah who would be offended if we believed it, like we got off scot free. Right. Yeah. And they might be more right than we want to admit. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I there's probably somebody out there who really hates me. Yeah, and they they do not wish for me to spend eternity in like yeah. the presence of Jesus. And what I want to say, well, they're wrong. No, maybe they're right. <laughs> maybe they see me clearly enough, and I need the mercy. Yes, that Jesus offers as yeah. a better job. And I need to be scandalized by it. Yes. Yeah. So I can drop down on the deck with the Tortuga pirates and worship God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that chapter one? That's that is chapter one. Okay. Well, then uh, next week we'll be in chapter two, talking about the, the great fish being in the belly of the fish. Oh, and I'm so excited because that means we get to talk a little bit more about what Jesus says. Yes. When he says, "I will spend like as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the great monster." Oh, he right. In Greek, he doesn't use the word fish. He no, says he does monster, not. Monster, in which I'm so excited. Yeah. To talk Can we about. tease maybe the word that he he kind of uses? Speak, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, speaking it's so of, yeah. appropriate. So he used the word Kratos, oh. which I think is where we get the word Kraken from. So Jonah was in the <laughs> Kraken? I, there might be a little too little evidence to say that. However, However, Jesus says that he was in the Kratos. The Kratos. So. Okay, there we go. So we will see you guys next week to talk about the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.